Minutes back. Welcome back. Episode 19 of Icebreaker. And as always, we're joined by our co-host, AJ. How are you? Not bad. And uh, happy fall season to yeah. everybody. Crazy that fall's already around. Um, episode 19 is presented by Heebie-Jeebies, Winnipeg's most terrifying haunted attraction. Over 100 amazing actors in four mazes. Check out the Scare Zone, Photo Ops, Zombie Carnival Games, Food Trucks, Fireworks, and Free Hot Chocolate. Tickets are only online at hebe-gbs.ca, so check them out. And I can speak from experience that it is a very fun evening. Have you ever been? That stuff's too scary for me. I'm a, I'm a wimpy little chicken man. I don't, I don't go to that type of stuff. It really, it was insanely well done. I was there last year, and it was actually, like, I went through all the mazes. It was, it was pretty terrifying. <laughs> I remember that the monsters, the creatures from Heebie-Jeebies visited us at a Winnipeg ice game, and that was scary enough. Yeah, they that did. That was terrifying enough. They were walking around the, the, the rink before any of the audience came in, before any of the fans came in, and 100% in character, they were terrorizing the staff. <laughs> I had to hide. I had to get into another room. I had to hide from them. Heebie-Jeebies, man, that's good stuff. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was super cool, and obviously it's the fall season, like you said, mm-hmm. and hockey started. The MJHL preseason was underway, and the newest team, the Freeze, have played the Blues twice now. And I gotta say, it was awesome to see live hockey again. Now the score was lopsided, but how was the action between the two teams? It was honestly, it was really good. the The scores, I I would say, didn't do the games justice. Yeah. Um, it was a lot closer than than that and the freeze like from even one game to the next game were you way better it was it's they're coming they're coming i i think they're gonna be they're gonna be all right did you think at any point this summer that you would be watching hockey with other fans well i'll tell you what when this all started in march i thought by may it would have been handled taken care of and right we're, <laughs> we're in and then so after after that and then into June? No, I don't think I. <laughs> I, uh, I, I am happy though. It's uh, everybody there. I, I will say everybody there who's come has been been awesome and following the safety guidelines and wearing masks and social distancing. And uh, we just got to keep that up. And then everybody who wants to can enjoy live hockey. I, it's got to be just such a bonus for the kids too, for the for the juniors who are playing, just to have that that bit of a crowd, you know. Yeah, and the, the crowds have been been great yeah yeah they've been awesome and people have been following the guidelines and we can't ask for much more than that and i know the kids are i've talked to a couple of them after the games they're pretty excited to be back playing so keep that up the uh i can't wait when does the actual season start october 9th there you go yeah october 9th so that's coming up quick a couple weeks here um and also to do with the fall and we're three days away as we record this, three or four days away, but October baseball. <laughs> the classics coming, and uh, we're represented this year. Uh, the, Jays, the Jays are such a hot and cold team, but they're running hot into the playoffs, which is a good sign. The Jays, no one gave them a chance to make it. No. And they just like, I, I can't say I watched many Blue Jays games this year. I mean, there's only 60 opportunities, and they play during the day and, and whatnot, but I, I got the notification that they clinched the playoffs, which is awesome. But even they, they were starting to get hot, and then there was those couple of games where they just got spanked by the Yankees. Yeah. 20-1 to one or 20-2, to two, whatever it was. 
So again, to pick it up, and I like. Uh, here's my favorite part about the Blue Jays this year. It has nothing to do with what's going on the on the field. Did you see the little celebration that they do? Two no. claps and a Ric Flair. Do they? Yeah, I Two love that. Ric Flair. That's the new Sally, and I love it. I Woo. love that. I love that. Um, I just when I saw that that they made the playoffs, it had me thinking back to when they were in the playoffs. I think four years ago, three or four years ago when Bautista hit that home run with the bat flip and just like they they had all of Canada captivated like the Raptors did last year. I think that's the benefit though and maybe the curse too about having just the one team representing you but it's it's good to have a whole nation being able to rally around you. You don't see a lot of teams in the states where everybody's going to jump on a bandwagon. Yeah. But any given Canadian at any time, you can say who are you rooting for? Oh, the Jays. Yeah, exactly. And you see so, like, anywhere you go in Canada, people are wearing Blue Jays stuff. You don't like, you're right, you don't see that anywhere else in the States. Like, you don't see it just, I guess, other than the Cowboys, they have a huge. That's true, and the Packers now that you mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah, they have a huge following, but I think it's cool. I hope they do well. I mean, if they can, you know, win a couple games, it'd be awesome. Do you think, and, and you know what, I, I think I have my own insight into this, but do you think the athletes are treating this the same as any other season? Um, like, do you think the excitement of winning the Stanley Cup or winning winning the NBA title is the same as, as a regular non-COVID season? Well, I, I can't speak for the players, but if I was in there, I think that now that you're in it and it's you've been in there for six months, <laughs> I think it's – I honestly think it was probably harder to win this year because you're battling – you know, being in a bubble, um, not much going on, and you go and play. But I think at the end of the day, whoever wins, it's like winning on the road. Sure. You know? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm I'd be sure. I'd be super excited. I'd still be fired up if I won the Stanley Cup or the NBA. Like, I mean, you're a champion. No one can take that away from you. Yeah. What do you think? I think 100% the same thing. I think it's good in both ways. I think you're right, and I hadn't quite thought about it that way. I have always thought that this would be the easiest year to lose. Yeah. Because you see all the guys who are going home out of the NHL bubble, and they're being greeted at the airport, and you get to see your pets and your wives and your kids. That's got to be a good feeling. But you're right. After being trapped there for this much time, you may as well win. Away with the championship. Yeah. 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 So you've got to be pretty stoked either way. I. I don't think it takes away anything, honestly. I think, and people will remember who won in 2020 any league. That's, pro- that's probably a good point too. Yeah, I think, and like I don't know. I mean, Corey Perry certainly doesn't want to lose. Corey Perry, I couldn't. I actually can't believe he's still ticking because when I was back in the day before the Jets ever came back to Winnipeg, I was rooting for the Ducks all yeah. thanks to Timo Solani and watching Corey Perry back then. And then watching him score in double overtime the other night, it's the same Corey Perry. I mean, it's that goal right there is why Dallas brought him in. He just gets it done. He continuously gets it done. Yeah. I always like Perry as a chippy player too, because he's not just a dangler and he's not just a skater. He's, he's a little greasy and he gets the job done. Yeah. And I I honestly, I'm here nor there on uh, who wins the Stanley cup, but, I didn't want to attend in five games, so I'm happy it's it's extending. I, I I think I was with you at some point. I didn't really mind which team was going to win until Steven Stamkos came back, scored his goal like 
go Tampa. How do you root against that story? How electrifying was that? The team was on another level that night. Oh, my goodness. It was crazy. And then just and then you know what? He'll just sit there for the rest of the game. He did what he came to do. Well, now if they win, he, he gets his name on the cup. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. And I can't believe he scored. I literally can't. He played two minutes and 56 seconds. And First, shot. First shot back. It's crazy. Short-handed. Let's give him the credit that it's due. It's literally crazy. <laughs> I don't know. All in all, just to go back to our earlier point, I think that sports being back has been awesome for everybody. And maybe, maybe it hasn't been great for the players. Maybe it has been really tough. But I think speaking for most of us out here, uh, thankful that they did go back and start playing. You know, I don't want to compare what I do to any what anything an athlete is doing, but myself having been laid off and gotten to go back to work, it was exciting enough. So yeah. I got, the, the way that they love the sport, you're absolutely right. I don't think they would want to do it any other way. They wouldn't want to be sitting at home all year. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. Um, we were talking before we, we started going here about our favorite thing about fall. And as fall has just officially hit a couple yeah. of days ago, and we've been treated with some pretty good weather so far in fall. But uh, what's, uh, what's your favorite thing about the fall? You know, my favorite thing about the entire fall time was a toss-up because I'm a big fan of Halloween. Um, not being scared, just the vibe of Halloween. <laughs> I'm a big fan of dressing in warmer clothing. Yep. Uh, no, you're not. I'm, you wear shorts every day of your life. With hoodies now. <laughs> I think my favorite thing about uh, the entire fall season has got to be the eats because we got Thanksgiving coming up in just a couple of weeks. That's true. That Good meal. The, that is one of the best reasons to eat of the entire year. Yeah, no, it's a good meal. And for those of you listening that don't know AJ, it'll be minus 40 out in the winter and he'll show up in shorts. It's, it's just his thing and I don't understand it. It's because everybody keeps the buildings too hot. <laughs> <laughs> outside's cold i get it but once we're indoors get them off get the, get those shorts on <laughs> shorts and boots it's a pretty good look and i don't think i'm old enough yet to pull off the uh the unzip at the knee pants, oh you know what i mean maybe in a, another five years or so i'll pull those off until then we'll just stick with the shorts those are good ones no i like that i think my favorite part about the fall like heebie-jeebies like i don't like scary movies but for some reason i like going into those things and getting scared i think it's awesome so i don't know i'm looking forward to getting out there and getting in there again and just like you don't know it's literally if you haven't been there you need to it's around corners things are jumping out at you it's like you're in a scary movie I wonder if this is the year that I'm finally going to just suck it up and go to heebie-jeebies because those monsters, those demons, those creatures can't come within six feet of me. Oh. This, this has to be the year. You, you might be right. It could be the year. For everyone who is scared, go this year. <laughs> no, that's funny. I think, um, that, I think this is the one. Well, make sure to check us out on the social medias at Icebreaker Show with two W's. Uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we're also on YouTube if you're looking for a video option of the show. See maybe what kind of crazy hats AJ's wearing. Uh, sometimes it's always a good laugh. So check us out there if you're interested in that. And I uh, just want to thank you guys again for listening and, and spreading the word. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, 
it's uh, it's exciting times. We'll keep uh, keep moving forward here. Uh, we have a great guest today. Uh, he's a scout for the Winnipeg Ice, but also holds a master's in sports psychology that he uses to chat with teams about you know what they may be going through, or individual players, and how. Uh, they can use their minds to help them get better. Uh, we, we talk about all that. So without further ado, uh, Ryan Ginter, welcome to the show. Good. How are you doing, Mac? I'm doing well. It's a little bit of a, a busy day, but we're getting by. Good. Yeah. Busy is good these days, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to get back into the swing of things. Got hockey starting back here in Manitoba. Um, what have you been up to lately? Um. You know what? Uh, it's been nice to to sit back and be able to really watch the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I've been doing that. I've been, um, you know, writing um, in the process of writing a book from uh, the research that I did at the U of A. I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> and then uh, just doing my sports uh, psychology consulting as well, and hoping hockey starts soon. So yeah, no, we're all hoping. I'll uh, I'll get into the sports psychology in your book in a second, but let's start with the scouting. So you're obviously scouting players that are getting drafted into the Western Hockey League. Uh, what are you looking for? Um, I think really uh, there there's definitely like a baseline physical ability that you're looking at. Um, you know, it, 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 the first thing that you you naturally gravitate towards is is skating, right? It's become such a crucial crucial part of the game that it's almost like a make it or break it break it feature. In that, if you can't skate, it's tough to advance levels. So, um, skating is the first thing, and then and then the skill. Like these these players today, young and old, are so skilled. Um, that you're just you're just trying to find those two two features predominantly on the on the physical side, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Is it tough to predict? Like I know these the kids are young, and you know someone might have not grown yet, and you you see them, they can skate, they have skill, and you're hoping that you know they can get to five nine, five ten. Is that tough to predict? Um, you know within the last several decades, it, the size factor has, um, you know, the, the, the importance of size has, has been reduced. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that the last thing you're looking for in terms of skating and skill is, is sense and, and hockey intelligence. And, and if you have the, the compete, and the intelligence and you have the other two physical features, you, you can think your way through any level as, as far as I'm concerned. But I think there's, you know, the, the strength is a different thing uh, to try and predict. Right. Right. Um, but I think your, your dad once told me, Mac, that big guys uh, still have to prove they can't play. And little guys still have to prove that they can play, right? So yeah. um, that that's still a, a fact, but it's 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 probably less uh, pronounced than it was, you know, three four decades ago in terms of hockey and scouting. I know that a lot has changed in the development of players and how they go about it. Like when I was younger, we didn't have skills coaches. Like my skating lessons came from like literally going to skating lessons without a stick 
that's what it was. But now yeah. you see it all over the place where even when you're playing junior, even in the NHL players in the summer with skills coaches, they're working on skating. Yeah, I mean, with those first two things, I'm I'm a big believer in, you know, a, a growth mindset. And part of that is that, you know, that you can always get better no matter how good or bad you are at skating. It, skating and skill is one thing that if you put more time in, the more you get out, right? So right. it's one of those things where if you ask, whoever you know like Connor mcdavid do you think you're still do you think you know where's your skating at i i would imagine that Connor mcdavid pr- would probably say he's still working at it right which is crazy to think about right so so that constant attention to improvement becomes a big factor in the development for anyone right in anything so when you're going into a, a Western league draft, like there's a few scouts on every staff and you compile a list and then it's kind of a meeting of the minds. Um, would you say that, you know, your staff and, and what the ice, like all you guys are kind of on the same page as when you bring your list together, are you working on those lists together throughout the whole season? Um, I think just with the, the, um, you know, with RinkNet, you you inherently are working on your list. I think um, that you should always be thinking where a player kind of fits in. And and then um, to add to your your first question, you know, we we start kind of merging those lists or amalgamating those lists towards the end of the year for sure. And um, there's, I think there should always be healthy debate. But um, having a small staff like we do on the ice, where everyone's really good. Everyone puts their time in. Um, we end up close to the same page, but that's where those, those um, draft meetings really come into play and are, are useful um, to just get everything straightened out. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So tell me about the book you're writing. Um, <clears throat> the, the book I'm writing is, is based on the, the research that I did at the U of A and um. I went back to the to the U of A to do my master's degree in sports psychology, and um, the the research itself was was basically on hockey and scouting. And uh, you know, when you do research at the the university level, um, you know, there's a there's all kinds, as you well know, there's all kinds of like strict writing styles and and things you need to do to to make it appealing academically yeah research that i did was was published in the journal of sports psychology so that is even a more stringent that stringent standard right for writing so i wanted to uh write uh the book for really parents and even coaches the the research itself was um I interviewed 16 WHL scouts and really asked them about the physical side. But the, the, the thing I wanted to know most about is kind of their definition of intangibles and what intangibles are important uh, for the development. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of expanding upon my, the research that I did. And 
you said you wanted to write it, you know, for the parents. Um, what, what insight can that offer the parents? You know what? I think, um, I think the one thing is, is folks that are new to, um, you know, to the whole scouting and, and all that, that they're, they don't know. They have this curiosity, I think, of what scouts are looking for. And I think a lot of times the, the perception is that it's just all physical, like, and all numbers and stats and, and top six or the top four D man or PP one. It's, you know, there's, there's definitely more than that um, to scouting where you really, you know, if you're trying to build a good team, you should be, you should be looking at building a, a, a culture and that starts with the people you bring into it, right? It starts right. with the people you already have in the organization, but, but when you really want to build a, a winning culture that I, I, I'm a believer that it starts with those intangibles and the, the people that you bring in. So um, I think parents and even new folks to the scouting business and hopefully players could, could benefit from it as well. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, I was often told when I was younger by my dad, but you probably know this too, but uh, if you're a good player, they will find you. And if you're a good person and a good player, they're going to hundred percent find you. Big time. Yeah. And yeah. you know, Mac in this day and age, like everything, everyone wants things to be planned out and be a straight line from Bantam to junior to the NHL, but it, it's the furthest thing from, but you just keep working and, um, I, I'm originally from Lethbridge and just, just the story of Rick Rippin, which I touch on in my book, is, is crazy. Undrafted in the WHL, undrafted NHL player is two weeks away from going back to Crow's Nest Pass and, and your dad signed him, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, he's proof of you, you keep working and you keep playing the right way and you're a good person, you know, real good things happen, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I, uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. And I know we mentioned it towards the start here, but you, uh, you write in a book and then you also do a little bit of, of sports psychology on the, as well. You go and speak to, to teams and, and players. You have players come speak to you. Can you just talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, yeah, the teams, I really think uh, the, the, some of the teams I enjoy talking to the most are the kids that uh, in one or two years are going to experience the, the Bantam draft and all that and, and really kind of emphasizing those strong um, intangibles that will help them in the short and long term. So talking to teams about that and then uh, individually with players, you know, everyone's got uh, something going on. It could be performance related, could be not, but, you know, I, I just really try and work pragmatically from, um, you know, dealing with each individual um, as they, as they need, right? Like I say, everything's, everyone's got something going on and, and just giving a young person uh, some perspective, a neutral perspective at times is really, really important. And, and it, you know, it's, it's gratifying to help someone out, a young guy or young gal with, with, their, uh, with their sport, right? 
Yeah, no, exactly. And, and just keeping along the lines here of the Bantam draft. So these, the players are, you know, they're young, they're 13, 14 years old and maybe not yet, uh, you know, found their way. What, what do you tell, or what would you tell a player that, that goes undrafted and, and you know what, I was, I was that age and went undrafted and it kind of felt like the end of the world, but it's not. What would you, what would you tell a player? That, that one year really doesn't define you. Um, and the last thing you want to do is let, let something that, like that define you. You know, if anything, you know, resiliency is a skill, right? So you have to go through some hardship to develop that skill. And um, when you experience that disappointment, everyone's going to be disappointed. But, but those that can turn that into fuel uh, to put in the extra work, it it uh, there, there's such a long list of of NHL players that that were undrafted in the WHL and now even the NHL. Like look at a, a player like Zach Whitecloud from your neck of the woods, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You you keep pressing, you keep working hard, and using that disappointment um, as fuel to continue working to be the best player you can. Um, you know, use it. Right. Yeah. No, like exactly. filling up your gas tank. I actually, I had uh, Brad McEwen on the show last week and uh, we were joking about how uh, he selected Kale McCarr in the eighth round of the Phantom draft. And look, look <laughs> yeah. where he is now. Yeah. In medicine, Hat, right. When he, Brad was in medicine. Hat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, guys like that, or, or even Jake Bean, right? Undrafted, yeah. first round pick. But, uh, it, you know, Tory Krug, undrafted NHL player. Look at the ticket he's going to get now as a free agent coming up, right? Hey. I, uh, those, are, those are cool stories. Yeah, no, exactly. And the last one I just want to touch on was uh, Jared Spurgeon. I, I knew a guy that worked in Spokane when he showed up to camp. I, I'm not sure if he was drafted or if he was extremely late round pick, but he showed up to camp and um, apparently he was like five feet tall and his jersey was below his knees and uh, people were laughing at him. And then the puck dropped and they're all like, oh my God, this kid can play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting, right? Like when you, when you can look back on those, those moments uh, with players that are now stars, which you – no lots of right uh from from winnipeg but um yeah it's it's really cool what one of the kids that we had in um in victoria was matthew phillips that it's now in the flame system and like he's still 150 pounds five seven 150 pounds but he's so smart he's so skilled he's such a good person that you just can't help it but root with those for those guys but when they first come in they're like who's Who's the Adam player? Who's the novice <laughs> player? Right? Yeah. Well, there's no doubt that the game has changed and uh, more players are getting a bigger opportunity these days. But, uh, you know, listen, uh, Ryan, just wanted to thank you for joining the show. Mac, it's, it's my honor. The, the, the show is, is great. And the guests you've had on, I, I'm, I'm honored to be, uh, to be on it. So thank you, Mac. Oh, I appreciate that. Take care. Okay, bud. Have a good one. 
And that's it for episode 19. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, check us out on social media at Icebreaker Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Icebreaker Show with two W's. I hope everybody enjoys the start of fall, uh, the scenery, maybe get out and play a couple rounds of golf. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.